Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Welcome to church. If you're visiting us for the first time, I hope you feel at home and feel relaxed. More importantly, you get in contact with God and connect with God and hear from Him. And um, we in this church believe the Word of God, nothing but the Word of God. If it's in the Bible, then we're going to believe it. Even if my head says, how can that be? I'm going to believe what the Bible says. We are going to believe what the Bible says. Amen? Because it's in the Word. Jesus gave us this Word. The, the, the early church, they put these, these letters that they wrote to each other. This is how they lived their life. And we've got the Old Testament, we've got the New Testament. It all works together and all preaches Jesus and exalts Jesus. Amen? And um, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I want to talk about a very, very important subject. It is, it is the gospel, but the gospel is filled with eternal truths. Did you know that? The gospel is good news. And it's good news for a reason. Because it is good news. It really should sound like good news when you hear it. And it's good news because there is bad news. The bad news is we've been separated from God. We lost the presence of God. We were created by God to, to be in relationship with Him. If you want to know the reason for existence, if you want to know the reason why we're even here, it's this, to have a relationship with God. You could be living all your life. You could even be an elderly person and still not know why you live, why you exist. Why am I here? Why did God put us on this planet? I can tell you, a hundred percent I know this for sure. It's for relationship with God Almighty. It's to have a relationship with our Father. We're His children. It's to reconnect with God. He made us in His image, in His likeness, so that we can fellowship with Him. That means to relate with Him. To be friends with Him, yes, but He's our Father, He's our God, He's our King. In the beginning when God made Adam and Eve, sometimes we, we forget this reality and this truth that mankind, man and woman together made up the very image and likeness of God. That is phenomenal. That they had the very nature of God. I mean, that word is to look in a mirror and to see your image. God put His image inside of us. Adam and Eve were truly offsprings of God. They were sons and daughters, son and daughter of God. They didn't have a parent. God himself formed them, shaped Adam from the dirt. But God is God. I mean, he just spoke the universe into existence by his words. That's how powerful he is. So now he takes the earth and he makes a magnificent human being. The human being is lifeless without any breath in him. The very breath of man came from the breath of God. The Bible says God stooped down and breathed into Adam the breath of life. And when he breathed, then he became a living soul. Then he put into a sleep. Everybody say sleep. sleep. And Adam is totally unconscious. He's asleep. And God dips into his side and makes a beautiful, magnificent woman. Now you know why the reason we don't have a clue about a woman. Because we were asleep when God made the woman. We were out of it. We are just unconscious. We didn't have a clue what he was up to. He made this magnificent, mysterious woman, and we're still trying to work her out. But God put Adam and Eve together. Together, they made the image, the likeness of Almighty God. Think about that for a second. What, my, my question is, what is God like? We know God is love, and there's no selfishness in Him at all. 
So Adam and Eve walked in love, no selfishness whatsoever. We know God is faith, and in God there is no fear. God doesn't know fear. He's never experienced fear in his life, ever. God, in all of existence, in all of eternity, never had a thought of fear. Adam and Eve were like that. They were made in God's image. We don't realize the reality. The joy. Imagine, think of the joy of God. God doesn't have a depressed moment. Never. Not a thought, not a bad, depressed, I'm feeling down today. Man, that would be pretty bad if the God of the universe is feeling bad. Down. God doesn't ever feel depressed. Adam and Eve didn't know depression. They all they knew was joy. All they knew was joy. We can go on. Peace. God never knew anxiety, never had worry, never had stress. God made us in his image. We're walking in the presence. Think of Adam and Eve walking in the presence of Almighty God. They were shining with glory. Brilliant glory. In the image of God, the lightness of God. Man, we lost so much. We need to know what we lost to know what we gained. If you don't know the depth of what we lost, the good news doesn't mean much. The reason why it's good news is that's the bad news. When they disobeyed God, in the act of disobedience, they were severed from God. They lost the presence of God. Instantly, they felt guilt and shame. The Bible says they were naked and walking and they weren't ashamed. Right? Because they were clothed with glory. They couldn't even see each other's nakedness because the glory of God is clothing them. In, in Psalms 8, it says, God clothed man with glory. The word clothed means, uh, uh, sorry, God, God yeah, clothed means um, to actually cover. God covered us, clothed us with glory. And so when they lost the presence of God, guilt came, fear came, condemnation came, fear came. They running from God. God comes in the cool of the garden to talk with them, fellowship with them, to connect with them. And they're running, hiding, getting fig leaves, covering themselves. Now they're behind a bush, behind a tree, a created thing. This is what something, God created a tree. They're behind a tree, hiding from the vine who loves them. And ever since mankind's running from God, we, 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 we run from God, not to God. Because we've got this warped image of God. We've got this um, wrong mindset of who God is and how he is and how he treats us. Now we think God's got a big stick, a big policeman. Every time you do something wrong, he wants to punish you. We've got to, obviously, we, un we understand the grace of God. We have to understand the goodness of God. If you look at Romans chapter 1, if you pick it up from verse 16, Paul, the apostle, is writing to the, the, the Christians in, in Rome. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Christ. For it, the good news, is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. All you have to do is believe. It is the good news. It's the power of God for salvation. And when I think about salvation, I'm just not thinking about salvation from our sins and having our sins forgiven and I'm no longer going to hell. That is salvation from that, 100%. But we're saved from everything. We're saved from the bondage of sin. We're saved from the condemnation of sin, the shame of sin. We're saved from the, 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 uh, uh, being separated from God. We're saved from being delivered from any tormenting spirits. We're saved from sickness. We're saved from depression. We're saved from anxiety. I'm telling you, when you believe the gospel, get your heart and faith rooted in the gospel, you'll be set free in every area of your life. Galatians chapter 5 says, It is therefore for freedom that Christ set us free. Why did he die? Why did he come? For freedom. So if we're walking with God for many years and we're not walking in freedom, something's wrong. Not with God, but with us. We're not obeying his word, not trusting his word. So don't ever blame God. God, I'm, I'm still bound up. God, I've got this, I've got this. Well, there's something. 
I read the scriptures the other day, and Jesus was praying in John chapter 17, and it says, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. The only way you're going to be sanctified means set apart, made holy. Separate them through your truth. Your word is truth. The only way you're going to be set free, the way I'm going to be set free is by the truth of God. When I really grasp the truth, when I really believe the truth, the truth has an enablement in the truth to set you free. Sanctify them through thy truth. Your word is truth. The only way I'm going to be set free, the only way you're going to be set free is truth. Truth needs to come into your brain, into your mind. It has to renew your thinking. I need to see this thing through God's eyes. If this thing is keeping you in bondage and in addiction and in, in torment or in some anxiety or whatever, you're still thinking patterns are wrong. The truth has to break in. I have to believe what the Bible says about me in that area. I have to see myself through God's eyes. If I don't see myself valuable and everybody loves and loves me and I'm, everybody puts me down, I'm so insecure, I'm so full of fear and shame. We, we, we portray that if we believe that. God wants to show us how valuable we are to him. Every single person in this room is so eternally valuable to God. The gospel is the power of God for salvation. And Paul goes, I'm not ashamed. I pray that we would never be ashamed of the gospel. You know, the world wants to ridicule you, persecute you, put you down, laugh at you, tease you. Say, no, Lord, this, this is the precious gospel that sets a person free from sin, from the wages of sin, from the, from the torments of sin. You know, God had a plan from the beginning. You know that. God never, he never came up with a plan. He never said, oh, Adam and Eve disobeyed me. I better come up with a plan. He always had a plan. Bible actually says that Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundations of the world. Just think about that for a second. Before God even founded the earth, before he even found the foundation of the earth, before he even founded it, before he even created it, Jesus Christ was crucified in the mind of God. In his mind, he knew what he was going to do. God knew his plan. It's his ultimate plan to send a savior, to send the Messiah. To send a lamb. A lamb is an innocent animal. In the Old Testament, they had all these sacrifices for a reason and a purpose. It covered the sin. It, it, an innocent lamb without spot, without disease was chosen. They had to, if it had spot and disease, they wouldn't choose it. They'd find a lamb that looked pretty good. Had no disease, no spot, no, no sickness. And they'd go, we'll take this innocent lamb and they would sacrifice it once a year. The blood had to be spilled, and the high priest, once he would go into the very holy of holies, this picture of the tabernacle in those days was for a reason and for a purpose, and once a year they would sprinkle the altar, the mercy seat, and the sins would be covered for another year. They would get a scapegoat, confess the sins of Israel, and speak over the scapegoat and throw it into the desert, and the, animal, the, the wild animals would tear it apart. The sins were, were passed upon the scapegoat, and this innocent animal was sacrificed for their sins. It's a picture in God's mind what he was doing. It wasn't, that's not going to deal with sin forever. That's not going to eradicate sin forever. But he knew one day someone's coming. One day the Messiah will come. One day the Lamb of God will come and take away the sins of the world. Now this is good news. Why couldn't, if God had all this beautiful plan, the first Adam was perfect. God gave them complete authority to rule and to reign. Yet in their freedom of will, they disobeyed God and they lost the presence of God. They had a freedom, though. Why couldn't God just make another Adam? 
from the dust of the earth. He did the first time. Why couldn't he just the next day make another Adam because he messed up, make another Adam, a perfect human being, and let him die for the sins of all humanity? He couldn't because the earth got cursed. Everything got cursed. Even the ground was cursed. Everything. I believe everything changed. That's why all of a sudden mankind, the wages of sin is death. Man was going to live forever. But now that they're separated from God, they're going to die. They grow old and there will be a day of death. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day of judgment. It's sad to think that we live our lives totally unaccountable. We think we're going to get away with it. But Jesus' words, the Son of God that you believe in. Most of us here believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And he said that every word that we speak, every idle word we speak, will give account in the day of judgment. We will give account to God. Every thought, every action, every, every motive, we will stand before God. I'm here to tell you that there's two judgments. According to the Word of God, there's two judgments. There's the great white throne judgment in the book of Revelations. That's the one you don't want to go to. You don't want to go there because the Bible says everyone's names that were not written in the Lamb's book of life, that were not there, were not found in the Lamb, the Lamb of God, the book of life, it wasn't there, were taken to the great white throne judgment. And everyone that weren't found in the book of life went to an eternal lake of fire. You don't want to be found there. That's the worst, uh, that's the saddest scripture in the whole Bible. Because I believe the truth of this Bible. But there's another judgment that says the judgment seat of Christ. This judgment, you will stand there as a believer. Not whether you make it in or not. You've already been passed. If you're a believer today, you've already been rescued from darkness and been translated into the kingdom of the son he loves. You're already there. You've already been rescued from death to life. We were spiritually dead and he brought us into life. And so we stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the rewards done in our body. Scripture about that we will be judged according to our works, but your works will never get you to heaven. You'll be rewarded for your works, but your works won't get you to heaven. What does that mean? Good works cannot get you to heaven. Most people think, if I'm only good enough, I'll go to heaven. Most people think, you ask most people in the streets right now and do a survey and ask questions and say, what do you think we need to do if God is ruling? Yeah, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. Well, what do you think you have to do to get to heaven? Most of them will say, be a good person. That's works already. You have to be good enough. You have to earn it. Well, how good do you have to be? How good do you have to be to earn your forgiveness? You've got to remember what happened in Adam and Eve. Remember, God made us in his image and in his likeness, spirit, soul, and body. And we, we have a body, physical body. It's like a glove. If I had put a glove on, the glove has no life. I, when I, my hand moves around, the glove has movement because my hand's in it. Well, this body has no life without its spirit, without the spirit. The reason why we're moving around is like we've got a, a body on. The spirit and the soul are one, right? They're, but they're, but they're, they're, made, they're still one, but they're separate. It's just the way God made us. Triune, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is made in the image and likeness of God. So in the day that Adam and Eve disobeyed God, their spirit that was alive to God spiritually died. Remember I talked about the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the fear? And God doesn't have that in his nature. When we died, we lost the presence of God. God left the spirit and the spirit died. It's still there. It's still in existence, but it's spiritually dead. And that's the reason in John chapter 3 that Jesus says, marvel not. Don't freak out. That's another my terminology in the 21st century. 
Don't freak out that I say to you, you must be born again. Why did Jesus use those words? Because in your spiritually dead state, you can't go to heaven. You have to be born again. And John, Nicodemus says, Jesus, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Because he uses the, the, the phrase is born from above and born again. Yes, but born from above. Can you get born again? And Jesus said, now you're thinking of the physical. He goes, flesh gives birth to flesh. That's the physical. You can't go back into your mother's womb and be born. That's physical. But the spirit gives birth to spirit. If your spirit is spiritually dead, the Holy Spirit takes the word of God, is the seed of God, goes into your spirit. That's the gospel. Goes into your spirit. And the Holy Spirit waters that seed and resurrects your dead spirit. And you come alive only, only when you have faith in Christ. When you have faith in Christ. Remember? Remember the gospel? It's to everyone who believes. Anyone can believe. Jesus put this out. Whosoever believes. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes will have eternal life. I love the fact that it's just belief. Because anyone can believe. If you look to yourself, you'll find nothing good in you. If you look to yourself, well, I'll wait, to, I, I, I'll wait uh, until I clean up my life. When I fix up my life, then I'll come to God. Because I don't want to be a hypocrite. We've got good intentions, but you can't fix up your life in your own strength. If you could fix up your own life in your own strength, then you didn't need Jesus to die on the cross for you. Galatians tells us this very, very clearly. If there was a law that could impart life, then righteousness would have come through the law. In other words, if there was a law, a Ten Commandment, that could give life and righteousness, all God had to say is keep the rules, keep the Ten Commandments, and you'll be, you'll be made righteous. You, you, you'll be made right with God. My best friend, we grew up together as teenagers. He was a rapper. I was a breakdancer. He got into rapping. He got into rapping. His name was D-Man. Some of you might remember him, but he wrote songs, tracks, and everything. And um, I got saved at 19. He came to church. We both came to church the first day. We both laughed because it was so strange. You might have looked at us worshiping God and it's a bit strange. You guys are very flamboyant and expressive and worship and emotional. And it's like, wow, it's like, this is different. And it's fine. I was laughing my head off when I first went to church. Me and my mate were laughing. The next second week I went again, I wasn't laughing. I wasn't with my friend anymore. I was, I was seeing there's something here that I want. I can see the presence of God. But my friend, years later, would say to me, Leo, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh, uh, teach me the Bible. I want to know everything about the Bible before I come to church. So come to my church, come to my home, and I did a couple of times. Teach me the Bible, teach me the Word of God, because I don't want to be a hypocrite. I want to give up all my stuff first, uh, you know, because he was smoking dope, he was doing all this stuff. I've got to give up my stuff first, and then I'll come. Basically, he's saying, I'll give up my stuff in my own strength. I'll give it up in my own strength, my own goodness. When I clean up my life and make it nice and clean and tidy, then I'll come to God. Well, you can't. None of us can. You can't rely on yourself. Even the faith to believe comes from God. Don't take that for granted. The grace to believe. Don't mess around with our salvation. The very grace for me to believe and the grace for you to believe comes from God. It's a beautiful gift. Amen. If you're feeling stirred, I believe. I believe what Jesus did. It's put your faith in Christ and all your sins, everything you've ever done is forgiven. We don't understand the, the beauty and the majesty of God. You know, the book of Revelations, the last book of the Bible, John, the apostle who walked with Jesus, 
so intimately in the last years of his life was taken in the spirit and was taken to heaven. He saw the throne and he explains the throne. I mean, one time before he was taken to heaven, he saw Jesus not as the suffering servant who died on the cross, but as the glorified, majestic king. And the Bible says John fell down flat on his face and had no life in him. Jesus had to touch him to give him life. He just fell down as dead because he explains what he saw. He says his eyes were like flames of fire. His face shone like the sun, the noonday sun. I mean, how do you explain words to explain the glory that's coming from Jesus? He's trying to explain the glory that came from Jesus was brighter than the sun. And that's phenomenal. Fire from his eyes. His legs were like legs in the bronze, in fire. Like when bronze is burning in the fire, it's glowing. His legs were glowing. Out of his mouth was like a two-edged sword. This is Jesus, the son of the living God. Imagine being taken to heaven. The Bible talks about the throne and the, the lightnings and thunders come from the throne. There's so many physical manifestations here on this earth that actually comes from the very heart of God. Lightnings, thunders from the throne. One time, uh, Ezekiel saw God and he said his, he looked like he was on fire from his belt up and his belt down, his loins. He looked like he was on fire. God is a consuming fire, the Bible says. In other words, so bright, so glorious. Imagine just for a moment, if you can imagine with me, in a split second, somehow God took you and you stood before the great white, the great white throne where God the Father stands. The Bible says rainbows of all colors emanate from God. Magnificent colors. The rainbow belongs to God, by the way. God in his beauty, the colors, the beauty, the rainbow explodes. It says he looked like Jasper, glowing and just crystal. And it's like it's just light blaring out of God. I mean, think of splendor, glory. God made the sun. He placed it up in our, universe, in our galaxy. God is brighter than the sun. So imagine in his brightness, in his glory, in his holiness. And in one moment, you and I, or you, stood before God. Bang. If I stood before God, bang. I don't know about you, but my first inclination, my first instinct would be this. Can I just demonstrate? Ah! And you want to run from him. You'd want to run. you just go, ah! find me a place where I can hide. That's, you know, the, the book of Revelations actually says they went into the cliffs and the caves and they hid themselves from the face of God when he came back to his planet. That's what you want to do. But let me explain to you the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel, this is the, this is the best definition of righteousness that I've ever heard in my entire life. It is the ability to stand in the presence of Almighty God, as I explain how magnificent our Father is, brighter than the sun, to stand in the presence of Almighty God without any sense of guilt or condemnation or fear or shame. Not a sense. As if, as if you never sinned. That's how God sees you. Do you know that? That's how God sees you. God brought Jesus because he spoke the word to the prophets over and over, over and over. Uh, Old Testament prophets, they prophesied, you know, a, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And he'll be a Nazareth. And he'll be born in Bethlehem. And, and he'll be the, uh, uh, the seed of uh, Judah and uh, the seed of David. And all these, you know, be the, the root of uh, uh, David and all these heaps of scriptures, just it's actually hundreds and hundreds. Prophecies, prophecies, prophecies. What was happening? God was speaking the word until the word became flesh. 
until the children of Israel, the, the young teenagers, were hoping, I'm gonna be, I, I could be the one that bears the Messiah. The Holy Spirit eventually overshadowed Mary. And the Holy Spirit made her pregnant, and Jesus did not have a physical dad. He truly was the Son of God. God sneaked in an Adam, a perfect Adam. God called, the Bible calls him the last Adam or the second Adam. God had to put another, bring another perfect man into this planet to die for the sins of humanity. And, and Jesus showed what he did. I mean, he walked on water, raised the dead, cleansed lepers, fed 20,000 people with a little boy's lunch. I mean, he, that's recorded. Not just in your Bible, historians say what he did. More writings of Jesus than, than um, uh, the Caesars and Napoleon. More writing and, and, and all these other histories that we have. We've got more about Jesus, about what he's done. And the only reason why Jesus came to this planet was obviously to demonstrate, to show us what it's like to a man having covenant with God in relationship with God could do these great works. Because Jesus says, the works that I do shall you do also. But the purpose, one of the main purposes is him to die on the cross. And not just to have our sins forgiven, so that in the same way that Jesus died on the cross, he consumed the judgment of God against humanity. God's judgment was appeased. He really was the Lamb of God, the innocent Lamb. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, Him who knew no sin became sin on the cross, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That blows me away, that we become the righteousness of God. God imputes to you righteousness that comes from Him. It's God's righteousness. Him who knew no sin became sin. He never, Jesus never committed sin. He takes His right robe of righteousness off and says, give me your filthy rags of unrighteousness. And He puts it on the cross. Our filthy rags of unrighteousness puts it on, on the cross. And He basically says, see that white robe of righteousness? There's no spot, no wrinkle, nothing. You put that on by faith. I'll take on your filthy rags of unrighteousness. It's an exchange. God had a plan for him to take our sin. But it's only through faith. Now, that's Jesus did it. The covenant only begins when we believe. When we accept the truth that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. It changes you. I can't explain this any other way. When you really believe it from your heart, it changes you from the inside out. Religion wants to change you from the outside in. It can't ever happen. It's rules, regulations. Don't do this, don't do that. Don't touch this, don't touch that, don't say this, don't that. It's all rules, and it doesn't change your heart. Only love changes your heart. And so when you believe that God so loved the world, God is so committed to you that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for your sin. In Hebrews, you can read this. If you, I don't know if what you're saying. This is just you making this up. No, if you can read it in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. This is Scripture. Let me just quickly explain it to you in a, in a nutshell. In the Old Testament, it says, not with blood and bulls, blood and bulls of goats, that the, the, the high priest went into the Holy of Holies only once a year to put away sin, but with the very precious blood of the Lamb of God, Jesus went into the Holy of Holies, not the one made with hands. This is the one in heaven. There's a Holy of Holies in heaven that Jesus went with his blood. I know Jesus said, it is finished. I know that. It means when he gave up the ghost, when he said it's finished, and he's not, nothing, nothing could wreck the, this covenant that he was making with God. He finished. It's done. 
But after he dies on the cross, redemption wasn't finished. Redemption took place, I believe, after he went to hell for three days and three nights. Then when he's resurrected from in, in hell, takes the keys of death and hell from Satan, takes, strips this, this authority from Satan and takes the keys of death and hell, goes back into his physical body, resurrects his physical body. He's got blood in his body. Then he says, don't touch me, Peter, and don't touch me to the Mary. I must ascend to your father, my father, your God, my God. He said, I must ascend. Hebrews says he went to the very holy of holies, not made with hands, but the true one, the true one in heaven. And he poured out his blood at the altar in heaven. The blood of the living son, spotless son of God is in heaven crying out mercy and grace towards you. What I'm trying to say is when God does something, he does it completely perfect. He does it 100% perfect. So I'm going to believe what the Bible says that I have right standing with God. I'm not hoping I'll make it to heaven. I hope I get forgiven. No, we are forgiven. We are cleansed. And he, Ephesians tells us very clearly, he raised our dead spirit alive. You who were dead, he made us alive with Christ. And not just that, he seated us together with Christ in heavenly places. Not just that, he, he, he resurrected us and placed us in the right hand. of the, Not just that, he glorified us with Christ. What Christ has, we actually have. Now, that's something to... Our brain says, really? Yes, really. Because when God does something, He does it so good. He, he, he fixes the problem completely. What the devil did in Adam is not more powerful than what God did in Christ. That's how we live our life, as if what, God, what the devil did in Adam was more powerful than what God did in Christ. What God did in Christ resurrected our dead spirit and made us alive with God. Now, you are free to have a relationship with God. See, it depends on our revelation knowledge. If you don't have the revelation knowledge of what I'm sharing about, we will walk around like this. Oh, I just did something wrong. And God, he must, he must be upset with me. And I've got guilt. I've got the shame. I've got condemnation. I've got insecurity. I've got fear. And that's going to hinder your relationship with God. But I want you to know as a believer, you're totally forgiven. And if you have not put your faith in Christ this morning, you can Put your faith in Christ. Know that your sins are forgiven. It doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen just because Jesus did it. It happens when you believe what he did. And put your faith in what he did. Put your trust in what he did. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can't be good enough. He did it all for you. And salvation is a gift. Salvation is a free gift. He offers it to you out of love. And you accept it out of love, and you accept it by faith. It's by grace we've been saved, through faith. Grace, what does it mean? Undeserved favor. As long as you think, but Leo, I've got to, I've got to be good enough, don't I? Don't have to earn it, don't have to be good enough. If you think you have to earn it, you'll never receive it. You'll never be good enough. Just accept his sacrifice. Amen? And by accepting it and believing it, I'm telling you, before Almighty God, as an ambassador of heaven, an ambassador of His heart, you are forgiven. 100% forgiven, cleansed, made righteous. And He gives you the gift of righteousness. Talk about prayer. You can pray to the Father. You can stand in the presence of Almighty God knowing He welcomes you to come in. That's why the scripture could say, come boldly 
into the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace in a time of need. Boldly? What, what right do we have to come boldly? Only the blood of Jesus. Only the blood of Jesus. Amen? If we just bow our heads for a moment, I want to give people this room an opportunity to make peace with God. You've heard the gospel clearly, simply. I've made it simple on purpose. Simple, but yet clearly. You cannot stand before God on your own. I'm telling you now, don't even try. Don't even try. You have to be clothed with Christ to stand before God. No one is promised tomorrow. No one. Unless you're a believer. If you're a believer, that's different. Then you've got promises. But if you're not a believer, tomorrow's not promised. So I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to salvation. Say yes to the forgiveness of sin. I mean, why wouldn't you want to accept this good news? It's good news. He did it all for you. Then you start a journey. You start a relationship with Christ. And you get to know Him all the days of your life. And even into eternity, you get to know Him. So please hear my heart. It doesn't matter if you've been going to church all your life. It doesn't matter if you say, I've believed, I've known this all my life. Only you know if your sins are forgiven. If you've got doubt and a cloud of doubt over, I don't know if I'll make it to heaven. I don't know. If, I hope He forgives me. I hope He does. Then I would encourage you to put your faith in Christ. Amen? It's a beautiful thing to put your faith in Christ publicly as well. So right now, I want to pray a prayer where you accept Jesus to forgive, to cleanse, to wash. Amen? This is a beautiful moment. This is so powerful. And I want to ask you to slip your hand up and say, Leah, please pray for me. I want to accept Jesus. I want to make peace with God. Thank you. Anybody else? Slip your hand up. So you want to say yes to Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? You want to say yes to Him. You want to make peace with God. It's a beautiful thing. We're going to pray for you to accept Him into your life. Have your sins washed. Have your sins forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. I know there's more in this room. You want to make peace with God? You want to say yes to Him? If you've said yes and in your heart you know I've committed my life to Christ, then don't be ashamed of Him. Live your life. Confess Christ as your Lord. Confess Him as your Savior. Confess Him to others that you're a Christian, that you're a Christ follower. Can you do that? If you're not doing that, then maybe the question is, have you really accepted Jesus? To make peace with God. Forgiveness is for free. He's extending it to you. Even on Facebook, if you're listening or watching, you can have peace with God if you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Believe what He did for you on the cross is for you. No one else. Even if it was no one else to die for, just for you, He would have done it just for you. Anybody else, we're going to pray this prayer to accept Jesus into your life. Wonderful God. Let's pray. Can we repeat this prayer together? Just repeat this prayer out loud. Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place to wash me, to clean me, and to forgive me of all of my sins. Thank you that you gave me the gift of right standing with God. I accept that. I believe that.
I am forgiven. I'm raised with Christ in heavenly places. I'm a new creation in Jesus. And everybody says... listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.